Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hey, this is Coach Jared Stevens, head coach at Southwest Tennessee Community College. Mr. Sweat Now, Smile Later. Hanging with Ina Esco on Verbally Effective Podcast. Stan Bell, serving you well. Pushing more power than a Duracell. I'm hanging out with the double E, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello. It's your double E, Ina Esco, the host of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. This is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. Now check it out. We have already hit 500 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you all for subscribing, but I need more. You know, we're trying to get to that 1K to get monetized and I really need your help. And I really appreciate you all for viewing the podcast, but check it out. Let's get into the podcast today because I have one of my radio ladies, my radio sisters in the building with me. She is the host of the Christy Taylor show. She has an amazing consulting business that she's going to tell us all about. She's the co-host of the Taylor Tilton show. Uh, she's working on a lot of cohorts. Uh, what else? Award-winning radio personality <laughs> actress. She has a lot going on and has been in the business for a long time. I am talking about the Christy Taylor. Welcome. Oh, wow. First of all, thank you for inviting me. I made it. Of course you made it. I'm so glad you're here, Christy. Wow. You know, you've been so gracious to make sure that, you know, over time that we could clear our schedules and make this happen. And I'm super, super excited to be yes, here today. I'm, Verbally girl, effective. You know, Christy, me and you have always been cool. I remember yeah. first meeting you when we were at Clear Channel Ooh, on Union Avenue. 112. In downtown Memphis. Yeah. You were at V101. Yeah, at remember that time. Days? Yeah, that would have been because I started with Clear Channel in 1999 mm -hmm. on AM 990, The Light, doing weekends. I remember The Light. Yes, I was doing weekends. And then later on that fall, I ended up doing In Office. And then the following year or two, by 2000, 2001, um, they brought me over to V101 to do Rhythm and Praise on Sundays. Yes. And then about 9-11 happened, Tina Lambert left, and I was doing um, the local producer for the Tom Jordan Morning Show. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so that would have been, yeah, 2001, 2002. Yes, you Before remember. the launch of Hallelujah FM. And I remember thinking how cool you were. Really? Yes. Like I was young and out of, uh. out of college and just starting and really trying to find my way when we were on Union Avenue. I had like yeah. a hell of a shift on the weekend. The graveyard. The graveyard shift. I was getting hazed at Clear Channel <laughs> back then. No life on the weekend. But, you know, I really learned the production side. Yes. She Party Rocker really taught me. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, um, when I started in, okay, well, honestly, most people know, so don't know this, that actually um, in 1992-93, I had been living in Detroit, and we'll talk about my journey, and I came back to Memphis I just know Arrested Development, Tennessee was out because when mm -hmm. I left Detroit, they're like, you literally took that song seriously, like Tennessee. <laughs> and I ended up working for, um, it was a bishop that owned a station, KHTH. Well, I know Hot 107, it's the station that is now Hot 107. Okay. But it was on Central Avenue when they said the old WDIA building on Central, which is now, I believe, a doggy grooming building. Um, okay. But this was before I, Flynn bought Before Flynn purchased it. Okay. Um, and I met Michael Adrian Davis yes. back then and along with some other people and the station with defunct, I was out of radio for six years and he was the one that was instrumental 
because we ended up reconnecting at a church and he was telling me about Nanani the light. And I also, I did not do the graveyard shift, but I did the early morning Saturday and Sunday shift that nobody wanted to wake up for. 6 a.m. 6 a.m. 10 a.m. Yes. 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 Look, I think that was my second move. <laughs> and But I would say just like Tea Party Rocker, you know, shout out to these gentlemen. Shout they also, Michael Rocker. taught me production. Yeah. And that has actually kept us in the yes. game. They were, I was like, you got to have yeah. your board tight. You better have okay. your board tight. Yeah. Yes. So, and then it was so manual yes. back oh, then. I love the buttons. I love <laughs> I the buttons. Just, I love a production oh, board. I love a production board. But Christy, let's start at the beginning. Because oh, I beginning. think we are going to be talking, talking, talking. Mm. You're originally from Washington, D.C. Yes, I am a native of Washington, D.C. I will say my mom was Mississippi born, but Tennessee raised, you know, north of near Covington. So, of course, she had gone away in her life and had lived other places and ended up where my her younger sister. And we're talking these ladies are, you know, from back in the 30s and 40s and stuff. But she my aunt had. Aunt Rita had gone to Howard University. Okay. And at some point, my mom had been in the military and found her way in wow. Washington, D.C., where she had my sister, myself, and my younger brother. Okay. And But the early 70s, like a good Southern woman, once you have your children, you move, bring them back home. Come on home. And so, um, as a matter of fact, I was thinking yet last year that we have been in Tennessee since 1972. Wow. Yeah, so and you're from Tennessee. I'm basically I'm from like Tennessee. Yeah, I was seven years old when we came <laughs> here, but I also was driving around looking at the new downtown. You know, I've lived downtown yeah. several times, but um, I remember looking for the trail, the bus station, mm. which is gone. Yes, Greyhound. I used to work there my freshman Honey, year in college. But that landmark is literally yes. the first place I would find myself in Tennessee because, you know, when we bust in from Washington, D.C., yep. that was a long trip. Um, the very first first place we landed was Memphis. Now, our uncle had to, my mom's brother, had to drive from Tipton County to come get us. Okay. But when I think about it, yeah, yes. my, 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 my tiny feet hit Memphis in Those 1972. memories. And you're yeah. a graduate like me from Millington Central yes, High honey. School. Yes, honey. Trojans. Yes. Matter of fact, because when we were in Tipton County, I would have gone to Mumford, I believe. But my mom was working at the Naval Base at the mm-hmm. hospital which is no longer in existence, which led was busy when it was crazy busy. Yeah. Yeah. And people from all over the world, it was Mm -hmm. very, Millington was a very unique place in the seventies and the eighties. And I remember us moving into the Woodstock Millington area. I went to Woodstock for two years, seventh and eighth grade, Mm -hmm. and then went to Millington central high school, as she said, Trojans. And I still drive through Millington just for memories. And I was kind of heartbroken a couple of years ago when I realized that they had taken the main building down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a new Millington high school now, but but they're doing a lot of development in Millington right now. Honey. Yes. Yes. I was driving through there recently. Sometime I'll just drive 51 Mm -hmm. and see how far close to Covington I'll get and maybe sometime go down to um, the um, Burlington, which is Jamestown, mm-hmm. which is where the Mississippi and the Hatchie River intersect, where the community we grew up in. Um, and actually, there's a fun fact I want to tell you that Jamestown, which is Burlington, uh, it is between Randolph and a, I think a little town called Detroit. It was a freed colored town wow. before the Civil War. So there's a lot of history there. So Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, that was a fun fact. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. When you were at Millington, yes. or even before that, mm-hmm. where did your love for media begin? Was it back then? Honestly, I would say what I would consider my love for media would actually have to go back to Washington, D.C. Okay. It was because my mom had the most amazing vinyl collection, but it was a, a eclectic collection she had John Wayne Mm. she had Andy Griffin's comedy but she also had like Alex Bradford which and Shirley Caesar when she was a part of the caravans but there was this one particular one that really sparked my interest in I think all things entertainment Mm -hmm. it was the vinyl record of Jesus Christ Superstar which was a new Broadway musical that I think just celebrated its 50th year so between that album collection my mom had and the fact that she had a lot of books I really fell in love with what I call stories. Yes. I fell in love with storytelling. I fell in love with words. I fell in love with sentences and paragraphs. So all those things will eventually end up being communication and entertainment. But I was a very quiet child. Ina. No, you weren't. Yes. No. I was a seen and not heard child. And you probably didn't see me because I was behind a big old book. Okay. Growing up. So it took me really blooming during 
I will say Woodstock when I became a part of a choir, but Millington really became the space that when I joined concert choir and started okay. doing drama. Okay. I am a thespian. Yes. Yes. Yeah, honey. For the thespian. Yeah. And so a actually, choir. yeah, but I fun. honestly will say by the time I went away to college, I totally broke out of my shell. Um, because I remember some of my friends in high school when they would later see me as <laughs> particularly once I became uh, came back home and ended up in a media career. They were like, you were so quiet in high school. Mm, I just it's hard yeah. to believe. Yeah. Christy. It's, it's hard. I honestly have people who knew me as a little girl and they still are baffled that I oh, talk. Wow. Yes, you, and yeah. you talk now. You talk, <laughs> but the choir piece. Are, are you an, a soprano, alto, first soprano, mezzo soprano? soprano. Here's, I might make you sing. No, ooh, I do that. Okay, I, do that. No, I will do to. it. I will do it. Okay, give me Music a was my first love. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I said, um, that Jesus Christ Superstar vinyl album was all things art. It's the music. It's the storytelling. It's the dramatization. It was so much. And I didn't know it was a Broadway musical. Of course, I wouldn't learn it until years later. But it was everything I loved. And I remember once I learned about choir and drama that my truest ambition, I love music being my first love, singing in choirs, church and stuff. But Broadway was my truest ambition. Come on, Broadway. On Broadway. On Broadway. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right, Christy. What happened after you graduated from Millington? I attended... Or Roberts University. Okay. I went to Tulsa. I took that same, I went to that same bus station. <laughs> and went to Tulsa. And How went did you to Tulsa. Choose Oral Roberts? Honestly, I had a lot of cousins. We have, the way our family structure, my mom's older sister had a lot of adult children, or mm-hmm. older children. And a lot of them, because we were very, very, very deep in God. Mm-hmm. But y'all don't understand, that's, di- that's different than being deep in church. We were deep in God. In and God. a lot of them, opted to go to a Christian school. So, of course, that just became almost like a family tradition. Like some people go, like yourself, you go to HBCUs Mm -hmm. and it becomes like part of that family tradition. And because we were so deep into whether being Baptist or Church of God in Christ, uh, wanting to stay in a faith-based environment, and because most people who also knew me from high school knew I never used to wear makeup or pants. Mm. We were sanctified, honey. Y'all don't, don't, honey, what? There. So I ended up, my sister was scheduled <laughs> to go. My older sister was scheduled to go to Oral Roberts University. And they would have twice a year, uh, what they call like a college weekend where you would go visit the school. And my mom packed us all up. And I don't know if we bust or drove or how we got there. But I fell in over the campus, even though I was still it. in junior high school. My sister opted not, she ended up not to go. So she ended up staying in the city. I think she went to state tech because she wanted to be more computer driven. And but I just remember like I'm going to Oral Roberts University. Nobody believed me, but mom tried to push me to go to Memphis State. Okay. Um, but I protested. And I went to Tulsa, got on that Greyhound bus. And actually, there's a couple of Memphians who also uh, we would take those treks on that bus to Tulsa. And but I will say I did the Kanye. The Kanye, you dropped out. I dro- Girl, what? How long were you at Oral Roberts? <sighs> I did my freshman year, and I went there as a music major, Ina. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, because I was also part of a, a touring gospel group, Souls of Fire, started by Carlton Pearson. And there is actually a Netflix movie about him. Um, I don't know if it's called The Heretic or something like that, but Carlton Pearson. I saw that. Yes. Uh-huh. No. Carlton, yeah, Carlton Pearson started that group. Oral Roberts handpicked him to start that. And my cousin, the ones from St. Louis, they also used to be over the group as well so when I got there I didn't tell anybody who I was like I said because it was like a a family school a handful of blacks because it was predominantly a a school for the Europeans Uh, (laughs) but I will say that I auditioned for Souls of Fire singers and choir I got in and then somebody blew my cover and said that's Raphael Green's cousin Mm. and so but yeah I used to really be into singing was a music major but then I went undeclared because we toured so much. Um, Miles Monroe from Bahamas Faith Ministries. There was a lot of African-Americans from that circle that we would, during the summer, tour their churches, including he came here to Memphis and things of that nature. But I ended up getting restless with music, and that's when radio found me. Oh, in Tulsa? In Tulsa, while I was attending Oral Roberts University. It's because I decided that my persona, my personality, because I still was... I may not have been quiet, but I still was an introvert. Mm -hmm. And the road life of being on the road and touring and stuff, because we toured for real. Mm -hmm. We would get pulled out of classes to go sing on the TV show. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were really living the life of entertainers in college. So 17, 18, 19 years of age. And then I was like, I don't like this. Like it was, I felt too exposed. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, I can't explain it other than that. You know, I couldn't do the Kim K. I don't like being overexposed, <laughs> um, but I do love entertainment. So then um, in my faith, I started asking God, which I call prayer. Okay. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do in my life? I'm like 18 and I'm like, God of the universe. Yes. <laughs> what do you, you want me to do? Young. Yeah, Your I was freshman super, year. Yeah. Yeah. My freshman, sophomore year. Cause I went to school at 17. So yeah. by the time I turned 18, I was a sophomore and I realized by two years of touring, being in music, learning yeah. theory, I'm like, I don't really want this as my life. But then, then in my spirit, I felt like, what could you do where you could talk? Because I had learned how to talk. Because <laughs> I, I totally Learn. broke you out of my shell. Out of shell. Like, where could I talk and listen to music all day? And like, ding, radio. So then mm. that really put me on a path of radio, television, and film. I wanted to tell stories. So, okay. that, but then I did the Kanye. Had met a lot of friends who were in the music industry who were coming through Tulsa. Um, wow. Commission at the time, the Winans. You know, I became close friends with uh, Vanessa Bell Armstrong's sister, Margaret Bell, because mm. while BB and Cece were at the PTL club, she had become a Richard Roberts singer. So I got really plugged into the Detroit music scene. Okay. And ran my little happy tail up there, hanging out. to Detroit. Honey. Look, before we get into Detroit, let's go back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. While you were a student there, did you know about all of the history with you know, African-Americans in Tulsa? Because you know, a lot of us learned later yes. about that. As a matter of fact, um, because Tulsa is racially divided, Oral Roberts University was on South Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And so that was the what we call the white side. And then oh. because we all grew up Baptist and Church of God in Christ and then traditional black churches, all of the churches we attended would be on the north side of Tulsa. So we quickly learned when we would take those church vans because they churches from from North Tulsa would come and pick up all the little black kids mm -hmm. <laughs> from those traditional black churches and take us back home. Basically, it was really a racial divide. And what I even at 17, 18 and 19, I remember like. It's one thing where you're in a city and you have to cross the rain railroad tracks to get to the other side of town. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because even in Memphis, you have those, you know, divides with rain, you know, train tracks. And, you know, but Tulsa was so different because you had to catch an expressway mm -hmm. and drive almost like 20 minutes to get to the other part of town. And I just remember then like, man, this is weird. Where the black folks were. Where the black people were. And mm -hmm. it was like two different worlds. And depending upon the churches that you were in, I, I remember... Um, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell us about this, about um, what happened, mm -hmm. you know. And I remember going to Friendship Baptist Church, uh, Wayman Tisdale's dad's church, and you know, because you would go to the Baptist church and you go Kojic, and then you go to the non-denominational, you know, you, you just well, you were fellowshipping, and there were members, remaining members of survivors mm -hmm. of that massacre that were members of Friendship Baptist Church, wow. and I just remember like. And me and my brother, because at one point, my mom, about a year or two, I was there. She moved from Memphis to Tulsa, started going to Bible school. And my brother, he was going to a uh, Jinx. And we just remember going, because you would go to the north side of Tulsa to go to church. So yeah. you would have this south Tulsa life. But on Sundays, you're going, you're going north side, baby, because you got okay. you to eat right. You know what I'm saying? You got to get your soul food. You got to get your, your church culture. on. You got to get your culture. But I remember early on learning about that. And my brother, he's a... A, a nerd and we, he would just dive into books he said there's nothing written on him he would be so angry right yeah they tried to erase that yeah, but they, they but they couldn't did you face any discrimination while at oral roberts because you told me it was a small percentage of blacks back then in the day tulsa is a very interesting city mm -hmm. i think it's because of the deep racial divide and chasm that they had and or Roberts specifically was deemed a rebel because he had Native American in him. And if you also know about the history of Oklahoma, mm -hmm. there were a lot of Indians who had also been disenfranchised. So mm -hmm. he always would lean toward his Native American side. And he was very um, uh, welcoming to African-Americans and Africans and people from around the world because okay. the, 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 the campus was very diverse. We had more, I would say, non-blacks. <laughs> And white than you had African-Americans. Okay. So you had that. But I, it's sad to just say this, that years later when I find out how racially um, far right some people were at Tulsa, I was actually surprised because maybe I was unaware of the, let me just give this, and I, I know we got to go. Um, I just remember when I got really involved in what we call music ministry, 
or when you would do ministry trips. Now, remember, every Sunday we would go to North Tulsa mm-hmm. because we had to get our culture. We get to yeah. get our church on, our soul food on. You had to get that love on, and they would love on us really strong. And then but as we got more involved in music ministries or street ministries, I just remember so many times young black kids would be put on buses, and we would go to the north side of Tulsa to do ministry. And a lot of my friends years later, I said, that was subtle racism. Because once again, within the Christian faith, within capitalistic America and just the world overall, the worldview is that they need to save us. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was the subtleness in it. It's like we need to save them. But I also now know part of that was because they were trying to, on the low, make good for what the evil that had been done in Tulsa. Mm, The shame. The The shame shame of it all. What do they call it? White guilt? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So that, I would just say that. Yeah. Interesting. Ah! But look, but look, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, but when okay. we get back, we're going to segue into your start of radio. I know you say you <sighs> went to Detroit and that's where mm. it began. So we'll, well get into that part of Christy Taylor's uh, world and everything that she has going on right now in 2023. And we're going to do a few segments, other segments as well. But you guys stay tuned. We'll be back with Christy Taylor on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Verbally Effective Podcast. You know, I have with me my radio sister, Christy Taylor. And, you know, for the second segment, we're going to get into all about how Mm. she got into the radio business and everything that she has going on today. So I've heard you mention, Christy, that you left Tulsa to go to Detroit. Whoa. Okay. Kanye, college dropout. Okay, so Orobs University, straight from Millington Central, 17 Really probably should have stayed in Memphis like my mom. But I went away to school and was ill-prepared, I think, for the for it socially. Mm. I, I really do believe that. But I was also very deeply involved in music. But I determined I didn't want to be a music major. And that's when Radio found me. Changed my major twice. First to evangelism. And I'm like, I don't want to learn Greek and hermeneutics. So then I ended up going undeclared. And then by Christy my... was a hoe. Evangelism out here in 17, 18. Well, you hear me? And by Love 19, what you said? And by 19, they were like, lady, um, you've gone undeclared and you're about to be a junior you need to declare a major so that's when I did communications which of course now is radio television and film but somewhere in that time I did a show on campus and they could hear me doing the drive time in, in, in the saga campus which is our cafeteria but I started meeting so many people by this time Tulsa was starting to get more diverse and a lot of uh, black preachers and artists started coming because Carlton Pearson has started a church a, a racially diverse church on the south side of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So if you no longer wanted to take that, you know, van to ride side. to the north side, now you can go get your little Holy Ghost on. Wow. And, and, you know, over on the south side, very rich, uh, racially diverse church. And um, a lot of celebs started coming, relocating, going to Bible colleges or whatever. And I just remember meeting, starting to meet, like the commission, you know, Fred Hammond and back in the day, I mean, everybody was at the beginning. Um, a, a young lady I toured with Judy um, uh, Christie, who's now is Judith Christie McAllister. She was super friends with Donnie and she had joined, um, the, um, had come to RU and, and on tour, we had met Donnie McClurkin when they were all living in New York. I mean, so it was just the eighties. Okay. You were in but the mix, honey, I was in the mix and I was in the mix so much that I stopped going to classes Oh, uh, or, uh. or going late or, you know, yeah. cause I'm actually, I had a friend who was a, a, a very intelligent young lady, but she would be so mad at me because I could go to class after hanging out and still do A's and B's. And then she got mad. She said, you don't even have to come to class and you still make good grades. If you would just show up, Christy, you would excel. But I was so addicted to the rush of the being. Girl, I guess I, was, I, guess I was a little famous. You I was a little famous. I, I was hanging with folk and okay. I was just really distracted by that because I'm like, I'm already singing. So why do I need to get a degree in it? You know, so, it, it, you know, you're young, you're dumb. You don't know. And I ended up, uh, Margaret Bell left. Um, do y'all remember those when all the plays started happening? Like, don't get God started. Arms yeah. too short with Box of God, all that. Um, that became a really big thing in the late 80s. And I remember, I think, BB and CC had left PTL. And Margaret was leaving Richard Robert Singers. And have were going back to Detroit. And they were trying to get on the play circuit. And I remember I somehow or another ended up in Detroit. <laughs> I in the play. 
Girl, no. I should have been trying to be a pit singer and making some money. Okay. I'm okay. just literally shot pl- riding shotgun. Girl, I was, what was that song? Tell you them were so- living that life. Girl, I was just in the room. Do you hear me? I was in the room. Speaking of in the room Honey. with these people, how are they living? What uh, was going on behind You ain't going to give me yes, I ain't gonna, You don't have to right. say anything, but I want to know. I'm I just going to say in that. the gospel circuit. I will just say that uh-huh. what my mama taught me, uh-huh. that the that folk was supposed to be doing, uh, mm-hmm. we were not necessarily, I'm going to put myself in that. We were not necessarily living up to the creed. Okay. Uh, of, but I also learned and this is real talk. And of course, I was so naive. I probably should have learned it when I was growing up in church. But oftentimes, if you're part of church leadership, PKs and that kind of stuff, the rules really don't apply to you. Oh, they don't. They they were honestly, the rules are for the people in the pews. Okay. I, that's real talk. You heard and it from Christy I, Taylor. I'm just telling you. And now, of course, we see that even pastors don't feel like they just let you know the rules don't apply to me. It I'm, seems I'm, that way. I'm, and that, that was the beginning of it, in my opinion, because... Um, we could perform, sign autographs, all that kind of stuff. And then whatever your preference or vice was, you was about that life. Mm. Now, everybody, now there were those who were torn. And if you did too much sin, you would go to the altar and get saved all over again. Define sin, Christy. It depends on what the person's vice was. Okay. Well, so for somebody, okay, like, okay, I'm going to talk about myself. Okay. okay talk about I'm talking about myself. Now, number one, <laughs> get verbally effective, Christy. <laughs> Verbally effective. I will say growing up the way I was very sheltered, I used to think holding hands was a sin. Really? Ha- girl. No touching. No. You bet. No makeup. No. Girl, I got. Okay. In one of my churches. So Detroit when, came and you was touching. I was touching. You was touching. I was touching. Okay. I was touching and kissing and, and you know, and, yeah. and, and blessing the Lord and giving God praise. <laughs> And I, you know, and I was getting my little feelings hurt because yeah. that person was probably touching and blessing other Somebody people. Too. So I got, because I still was learning, you know, just being real. I was on my exploration in my, you know, cause yeah. you're in your 20s at this yeah. point. And, exploration. Oh, you're just on a journey. But honestly, I will say this, that as I was in Detroit learning myself, learning my boundaries, learning what worked and didn't work for me, I found out I was much more conservative than I thought. Okay. Because there are some people who ain't got no breaks, mm-hmm. like no stops. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing, oh, I got a lot of stops. I got a lot of breaks. I got a lot of um, things that I'm going to say hangups. Mm-hmm. But the way I viewed myself, even though I, I had been groomed, honestly, to be probably a preacher's wife and have five kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want that life. I didn't. I knew I didn't want the extreme of that well I didn't want to be a preacher's wife sit in the church you know things of nature I didn't want to be just out here wilding out I wanted to like still love one dude Mm -hmm. him be about me Mm -hmm. and we build an empire together that was my ambition was it a heartbreak that led you to that point that 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 made you realize that yeah it was usually it is yeah it is because I thought with all of the love and commitment and because I'm still a southerner I'm yeah. still got traditional values and the roles of women play and how you love a man now I didn't never learn how to cook I can't do that so don't okay. even come at me like that <laughs> but as far as being present and yeah. understanding and being a listening ear and being supportive of his dreams and ambitions you know very preacher's wife very mm-hmm. first ladyish you know helping you with your whatever your whatever not so much like uh, coming to America. Not, Whatever not you very like. submissive, not, but submissive, but sub- submissive and supportive. I would say that I was a submissive, supportive woman, mm-hmm. young lady, because I wasn't a woman yet, just trying to figure it out. But when I realized that that was not enough, mm-hmm. that some people, and this is the trick part. While I live in Detroit, I'm in my early 20s. Everybody was delaying marriage to their 30s. Mm-hmm. Because they were building careers. And many of them did just that and have become legends doing it. And then around 25 or so, my mama must have prayed, and I found myself back in Memphis, and that's really where I started my radio career. So that's how you came back to Because Memphis. while I was in Detroit losing my mind and getting my little feelings hurt, um, I realized that this is not my life because everybody I was around were musicians and singers. They were on the road, Margaret and Every Margaret Bell and BBM, they had been in doing plays, and I'll never forget one time um, the Fox Theater, uh, Barry Hankerson, which of course is Aaliyah's uncle, um, he was still married to Chip Fields, Kim Fields' mom, and they had the play, I think, Don't Get God Started. And Vanessa Bell Armstrong and Marvin Winans were the lead, and mm-hmm. Margaret and BB were trying to be their understudies. And I just remember then realizing how off the path I was, and I was living in everybody's shadow, mm-hmm. and I'm on this stage 
seeing them assemble the show and Barry Hankinson says to me, and I'm standing beside Margaret Bell, and he's like, who are you? And Margaret spoke for me. Oh, this is my girlfriend from Tulsa. And continued to do her politicking. That was the beginning of me around 23, realizing you will end up living in shadows. Okay. When that's not your life. Like, that's not what your journey was. Mm-hmm. Just because you... The energy was good, and I started a slow road to trying to discover who I was and what I wanted and ended up getting a secretarial job at a radio station. It just happened to be the top urban station, Power 98, Power uh, Mason 98. in the Morning, okay. who they I think they said the Martin Show was based on. Mm-hmm. And it was while being living in people's shadows at the highest level and now being a secretary at a radio station, I realized you were a college dropout with no real skills mm-hmm. and nowhere near what you had envisioned for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I did, Ina, my radio career started by me going into a general sales manager office said, how can I get on the radio? Okay, you got to do what you got to do. Honey, I was too young and dumb to not know. He could have just fired me on the spot. Like, lady, you are, you know, I'm probably about 24, 25. And he was, he, and he probably understood my earnestness in it. Mm-hmm. And he broke the radio game to me and said, well, first of all, we're a top 10 market. Detroit is like number six at the time. Mm-hmm. You got to go to a lower market and work your way up. And, and honestly, Arrested Development Tennessee was the hit song of the time. And I said, is Memphis a lower market? I was strictly thinking geography. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand radio ratings and stuff like that. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl, I don't know if I caught a bus, walked, or could have plane. You came back home. I came back home. Yeah, and Memphis I, is market like 30. At the time, it was... I think the twenties and thirties yeah, right. Cause it's like 92. Mm-hmm. And um, of course it's a strong radio market and there were plenty of opportunities. And I knocked on all the doors trying to get in the door as a radio. First of all, as a secretary or whatever, just to get a weekend. I wanted the graveyard shift. I just but wanted you to had be experience in radio already, but from college yeah. and being, but I was never on, I was on the air in college. Okay. But, and, but then I was a secretary at an urban station and I was, they had me doing voice work in Detroit. Okay. That but coming experience. back here, yeah. the resume was like, but you've never been on the mic. I even went to K97 and V101 back then, Clear Channel back then. I think it was still privately owned. Okay. And I and I went to like the river. I went to everywhere. I just wanted to be in the building at this point. Who gave you a, an opportunity here in Memphis? <sighs> Honey, the station that ended up, um, check started bouncing. And <laughs> Which one was that? It was K-Faith, 107.1. Okay. It had just been flipped to Touch 107. Where Tom Joyner had first entered the market, Evelyn Morrow, Hoka Morrow was the general manager, but Paul Anthony, who reminded me of a Bobby OJ, and I think they were peers back in the day, he was the program director. And honestly, I had knocked on everybody's doors, and this was like the last station. And I had a thought I had a great interview with Evelyn Morrow, who was the general manager. But then he called me later. Paul Anthony called me and said, hey, I got your resume out of the trash. Mm. He said, what do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. I think I may have, I was crying and laughing. Like, he calling me, my resume was in the trash. Baby. I was like, I just want to be on the air. If I have to be a secretary, if I have to be a janitor, I just want to be in the building. Mm-hmm. So I literally was all those things while on the air on the weekends. I was wow. on the AM station, but I would do voice work for Touch 107. Mm-hmm. And it was then that I met Michael Adrian Davis when the checks started bouncing and the station <laughs> closed. I mean, literally the checks were bouncing to the point that because uh, he had multiple stations. It was a bishop who was out, I think, Virginia. He had multiple stations around the country. And this is before corporate started buying up stations. And I remember we had to all across the country try to be the first ones to get our check cash at a bank or a liquor store because then you might be the one person who, who didn't get paid. Christy. Yes, honey. It was like that back then. And then I started temping. I'm like, I, I said, I, I gave him my shot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I surrendered to the fact I'm about 26, 27 by this time. And I'm like, I messed up. I, mm-hmm. I really blamed me for not staying in school, for l- being in Detroit and living in shadows and not staying focused because mm-hmm. I can be a focused person. And for six years, the most creative thing I did was type letters and memos. At cafe. No. At their temp job. Yes, across the city. Okay. I, girl, but I will tell you, honey, manpower, Ron Stott, they kept me busy, honey. They, All you through. had to pay the bills. What? You and had to then pay the bills. around 99... 
Michael Davis, because I think we had started going to Greater Community Temple Church of God in Christ together. I think that was when we first reconnected. And he said, there's a new station, AM 990 The Lights. You want to you want to be in? Because I think they needed a weather girl, which ended up being Linda Covington. Okay. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, man, I got a real job. My check's cash. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good. I said, but if you ever get anything on the weekend, I, I might consider it. And thankfully, Dwayne Benton, my mm-hmm. beloved Dwayne Benton, hey, Dwayne. the first time he moved to L.A., Michael Davis called me because I actually Michael was sometimes let me come in the building and do voice work. So I actually had my voice kind of out there like that. And I think Tracy, Michael had made it to the morning. Tracy was midday. I think Bill Anderson was and Linda was still in the morning team. But Dwayne had been doing weekends. And that's when they had uh, remember um, Sheridan Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. They were streaming part of AM 990 from Atlanta, and they had some of the live. Well, anyway, Dwayne moved to L.A., and they needed I somebody. when he moved. Yeah, the first time, and that was in 99, and nobody wanted to do Saturday mornings. You did. And Sundays. And I was <laughs> like, said, okay, I'll, take it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> 6 a.m. in the morning. But, you know, it had to be a sacrifice because I love getting up at 9.30 a.m. Okay, but you had to do what you had to do. I had to get up. So that's how I really got in the door, and I started rock and roll. And because I'm in my 30s now, most people don't realize that my truest Radio career started in my 30s, and I have been out of radio for six years. Most of my friends who I had grown up with from Tulsa and Detroit were now on the Grammys. They were now yeah. on the Stellars. They were now on the Soul Train Music Awards. A lot of people were starting to get those hit records and things yeah. of that nature. And here I was. Starting starting your radio career at really thirty plus. Thick of it, it's yeah. okay. I mean, uh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey that's hey. your journey. That was my journey. I did not do a straight. Yeah, don't do my path, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do it. But if you do, it can work out. It, it, it can work out. But it's but then I did the nose to the grind. And that's around the time I think Bill um, Bruce Dimps. Was, Bruce Dimps. Oh, I thank God heard for that Bruce, name in a minute. Bruce Dimps was instrumental because the same way that I went into Shell Leshner at WJOB FM 98 in Detroit. And I say, is it time for me? Can I get on the radio? I would go into Bruce's office. Everyone was afraid of him. But... For whatever reason, I didn't have that level of fear because I, by this time I was focused. Mm-hmm. I was focused, ladies and gentlemen. And I would go to him and say, is this an opportunity? Da, da, da. And he would look at me because, because there is a spirit guidedness to me. And oftentimes I would come to him when there would be major decisions in the back office. Mm. Honey, I said, look, God guide me. Guide me, Lord. Yes. And am not out of the light. He said, well, honestly, remember when we were going from Smooth 101 to V101? Mm-hmm. And Doc Winters had come in and they were like revamping the whole thing and clear channel from coast to coast. I literally walked into Bruce's office one time. It was because I was still working AM 990 The Light and now I'm in the office. So they were about to flip the station. AM 990 was going to be spin, um, was going to not be a part of the way the politics of it is and the yeah. checks. And I said, is there an opportunity for me? He said, oh, my God, we were just about to make a decision on if you were going to stay with the station or if you're going to just be in the office. Girl. Said, I want to be on the station. I would have basically been a secretary and not on the air. And Girl, if I had not. walk in that room. Do you hear me? And he said, well, what we'll do is we'll bring you to V. And that's how I got on V101. Now, I thought, I ain't going to tell y'all, ladies and gentlemen, I thought I was going to go, <laughs> I thought I was going to go from AM 990 to light back then at 2000, 2001. I was going to go from Yolanda Adams, and I was going to start playing Whitney Houston. Okay. And then that's when, when we had the meeting, and I was invited to the discussion on Smooth 101 switching to V. And he said, oh, yeah, and Christy's going to be – he said, y'all probably want to know why Christy Taylor's here. She's going to be joining us on Sundays. And I was like, yes, I'm going, I'm going R&B, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and he said, and she's going to be doing gospel. I said, my mama done prayed. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> and that's when Rhythm and Praise was born. Okay. And I really believe, and I do know, that Rhythm and Praise, the success of that, and then me later doing Tom Join the Morning Show, led to the um, the data clear channel needed to launch Hallelujah FM. It did. It, Honey, it really did. Because I was rocking and rolling, baby. You Let me what? tell you. So much has changed in radio. And, and Chrissy, you've been oh, the, girl. At, at the beginning of things. Tell me about how do you think, you know, what's Ooh. the biggest change in radio right now? I know technology is a, is a huge factor. <sighs> you know, 
Okay, now you have to remember, I come from the age when we used to splice. Now, See, both, I didn't splice. Okay, so I, a lot I has came changed. came in on CDs. Yeah, you came in on CDs. I was splicing. I was carts. You know, we didn't made it to CDs, and then we made it to profit or digital, digitize. I remember profit. Uh, but I will say that the biggest change with radio really was what led to me wanting to leave when I started. I was moonlighting, of course, later in my career by the time we had launched Hallelujah FM in 2002, and I reunited with Tracy and Michael Nim. Of course, you know, am not not in light and then um i just remember starting to feel when they gave rush limbaugh a hundred million dollars oh yeah see i used to read the news see i used to say did y'all see this because they would send us the emails and most time people were not reading our company's emails and what's happening the trades you know i was always a bookish person remember i love stories and i would read where the industry was going and I just remember starting to feel like we were incidental. Mm. Now, remember, I'm an artist at heart. You know, I'm a creative and I didn't ever want to feel like my gift was being manipulated. I had remember I had been out of the game for a long time. I'm now in my 30s, hitting my 40s. And the last thing I wanted to do was die on the mic and feel insignificant. Wow. Die on the mic. Girl, honey, I couldn't. I couldn't. Many do it. Many do it. Many, many, many do it. Okay. And I remember um, while that was happening, that change was happening, you know, the, the focus was moving away from the personalities to the advertising being the most important, you know, the, the, the homogenizing of the music mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And even though gospel had just flipped to the FM, we were starting to get the same treatment. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't like the way it felt because remember I had already been around highly successful people, whether it was in Tulsa where Oral Roberts would literally get us out of class so we could sing on the TV show. Or when I was living in Detroit and I'm literally around people who were making gospel music history. And now here I am in my own career and I'm not going to be allowed to be a creative and be an artist. That didn't sit well with my soul, like okay. legitly. And, but I was moonlighting at the time, uh, writing the movie insecure. Yeah. And hyphen secure with Julius Lewis, who, of course, I had met through radio because he was a concert promoter. But, you know, of course, we knew all the promoters, but he was different because he had this ambition of doing stage plays and then eventually taking one of the stage plays and turning it into a movie. And when that happened and came together around what, 2008, 2009, um, you moved away. I moved away. But can I give you a little? Give it to me. In 2008, I was going to leave Memphis eventually mm -hmm. because Bruce Dempsey called me from Atlanta. I said, hey, you want Did you want to come to Radio Atlanta? 1? And I actually Ooh. went down there and applied, but okay. that was the year Barack Obama cinched the Democratic nomination. Mm. All the stocks started falling, and everybody yeah. kind of oh, froze. It was a horrible year. It was a horrible year for radio. Yeah, for radio. And, and that's when everything's changed, and I was in the middle of negotiating uh, you know, the move. And by the summer of that year, I was like, I'm not going to stay on the radio. I can't do it. And I left Clear Channel with no plan. And then the movie came together because it was that year was a pivotal year. Like I had to take control of my life and my destiny. I could not feel like I was not connected to my purpose and passion. Mm -hmm. And thank God the movie came together. Yes. <laughs> and when that came together, it did give me the push to go back in my 40s to Oral Roberts University 20 plus years later to finish that degree I did not finish. Wow, I didn't know that, Christy. Yeah, that's what happened. That's Most people really felt like I had a plan, but no, when I when I turned in my resignation July of 20, 2008, I literally did not have anything in place. Because really and truly, people in radio usually don't do that. No, they don't. They and don't give the mic up. They don't give the mic up. And honestly, <laughs> Dwayne, Tracy, Michael, them, they were like, because that was also the year I had hit my 40s, and they were like, and I had lost a little weight, you know what I'm saying? I had gone through a whole lot going on, had another big breakup. Well, it wasn't a real mm. breakup because he was a serial whatever, whatever. And I just remember <laughs> wanting to take control of me. Yeah. And I'll just say this, because I know we, we could talk, me and you, we could chat forever. Mm -hmm. But I will say that when I went back to Oral Roberts University to get that degree, I was focused on me for the first time, I think, and on my creative path. And then I ended up going to L.A., pursuing a master's in professional screenwriting. Because I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it all in one walk. But, yeah. but then around 2014, my mom hit her 80s. And I got called back to Memphis. And I ended up on 103.5 WRBO. And I, I finally got a chance to do urban radio, honey. I remember. Love songs. Because yes. Janine had just left and was doing TV full time. 
I think Myron Mays had been doing love songs and he left and it was an opening. And that's when I met Earl Augustus and um, was there, did that for a minute. And then they flipped me to the midday between Steve Harvey and D.L. Hughley. Look at all this radio Honey, history. I know. And it's like, I, but I will tell you this, Ina, when I first came home, no fanfare. Most people didn't even know I was home. And they were like, uh, one, one lady said, because I still answer the phone. Now, little did I know, talking about changes in radio, one change that I didn't realize nobody was answering the phones anymore. Because, you know, back in the day, you was like, hey, call a number, you know, call me right here. I would keep the request line open, and people would call me at night. That was the one way to keep me up. And this one lady answered and said, are you Christy Taylor from Hallelujah FM? Oh. <laughs> here was almost a decade later, and they were like, well, are you Christy Taylor from Hallelujah? I was like, yeah, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. I see what God they is remember. doing. They remember. And to this day, most people remember me from Hallelujah and not from, from 103.5, even though that was my last station. And in 2019, I, when the contract wasn't renewed, it gave me the permission to launch my business, Christy Taylor Consulting. So all of the stories that I just told you from, from my love of music and media and entertainment and radio is now what I love teaching other people, like teaching them how to put radio shows together or TV shows or films together or podcasts. Thank Ina. She was the one that told me to get in the podcast when I got home. Yes, I was slow. I, I was slow. I remember when I, I saw you yeah. out there. Where, where we were we? We were at Willers Gallery. At the gallery. Lee, downtown. Well, Keith and Mason had an event. Yeah. And we ran it. And she's always been delightful. When I, when I tell you that Ina has always been delightful. And I will say this. One of the things, too, when you leave radio, that's your personality. And in Memphis, it's really hard because Memphis love radio personalities even more than anything else. And if you're not a radio personality, you can lose your identity of who yeah. you are. But Ina was always gracious to me. So if I felt some kind of way not being on the air, which I never really did because I always had a lot of other things. I keep a lot going on. She keeps a lot going on, ladies and gentlemen. I, but she was always gracious. Yes. There are certain people, if they see you, they're like, hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you ain't on radio no more. I hate when people say and that. It's like, if you're not on that same station, they remember you from. Yeah. Well, what you doing now? What you doing now? <laughs> and I like life ends there. And I remember having friends, like as I've had friends in the entertainment industry so long, I remember remembering when one of my friends had married a football player they used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles and they would go through excruciating conversations about life after football mm -hmm. so that was in my 80s and 90s so when I started having that same type of withdrawal about radio but actually it happened in 2008 when I left radio on my own before the movie came together and I had a withdrawal, like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? If I'm not a radio personality. And then that was the death of it. So when it happened again in 2019, a decade later, I'm like, girl, Christy Taylor. Okay. Yeah. I know the name. Come on. I know the name. But you know something? Let me tell you this, Ina. I, I love you for this. Thank you for the opportunity to share because yes. I never tell my story, but I still don't know who that is. When people say you Christy Taylor or the Christy Taylor, I'm still evolving and on a, I'm an artist on a journey. Yes. And so hopefully my legacy will be that I lived a full life and that it was full of goodness. Yes. That's yes. It's, it's ongoing. It's perpetual. Yeah. But I do love, you know, thank y'all for the recognition because I've been grinding hard and I still do. Been grinding. And I've always yeah. looked up to you, Christy. Oh, what? Always. Honey. Always. You know, I, you, when I started in radio, I'm trying to get pointers from the women. Yeah, and, oh, and we're going to yeah. get into that. Yeah. I, I need you to repeat after me, Christy. Yes. Amen. Say mine. Amen. Okay, look again. Amen. Say mine. You know you got your Amen. Say mine. There you go. <laughs> this is a moment of transparency between oh, you and I. Oh, okay. How has your relationship been with women in radio over the years? And this is probably a sensitive topic. Because it's very, it's a very male dominated yes. industry. Yes. Let's Either the men are going to help you or they're not. They're not. Or they're going to get on your nerves. They're going to get on your nerves. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and then sometimes you get all of them. Yeah. Um, my relationship with women in the industry has been a mixed bag. Okay. Okay. I will say that when I was on 990 The Light, my unlikely mentor ended up being Portia Stevens. Okay. Who was on Smooth 101. Mm -hmm. And she actually approached me one day when I was working. Remember, I did weekends. And then I worked in the office and she said, are you Christy Taylor that's on 990? She said, are you Christy that's on 990? I was like, it wasn't a tailor yet. I was like, yeah. She said, can I give you some advice? And I said, like, oh, and I grabbed my chest. I said, please don't hurt my feelings mm -hmm. because you never know if somebody's going to clip your wings or give you a yeah. dagger. You know, they could 
speak to your delivery, your tone on how you're approaching it mm-hmm. from a place of love or from a place to make you feel belittled and small. They will do it. Okay. So that's the mixed bag. And in this case, Portia Stevens definitely gave me affirming advice, things of that nature. And there, I will say that she was the one that I patterned after. And even when she left and went to Chicago, one of the few times Bobby OJ spoke, spoke to me, he saw me in the hallway because, you know, he always was in and out of studios, didn't do a lot of chatter in the halls. And I was that way, too. And he said, I know your girl's gone. You don't have anybody else to listen to that you can really. And he said, but you'll be OK. I know that was so reaffirming Honey, from yes, Bobby OJ. Yeah, it was. So I will say that Portia was that your graciousness was always kind to me. And remember, um, even though you were oftentimes on the weekends, I used to work so much y'all. Kylan used to say, I could come I in. Kylan I miss Kylan so too. I would come in for my show, which was right before Steve, um, and was particularly on night on Hallelujah FM. Before Stan was on at three to seven, and then Kylan would come on from seven to ten. Mm-hmm. And I was such a grinder, ladies and gentlemen, that I was there for both of their shows. Because mm. I was also voice tracking, I was doing production work. I that was Radio, I realize now I married radio. Yes. I married radio. You spent a lot of time And so there. on the weekends, I would see Ina. And Ina was always gracious. Always gracious. So my relationships, you know, have been a mixed bag. I mean, anybody else that I actually worked with peer-wise, there was a sense of sisterhood. But as far as just taking me under their wings, you know, Bev Johnson was kind. Tracy mm-hmm. was kind. You know, um, who was a young lady? K97 in the midday. She came uh, with Simone Party. Girl, now Simone, <laughs> Simone Party. Simone was something serious. Simone was something okay. serious. And because I used was a workaholic, a lot of times Simone would get off of her show, do a little bit, because then um, Reggie Fine and Michael Jeffries, because I had gotten so good at doing production, which I always tell ladies, do more, be more than a pretty voice and a pretty face, okay? Mm-hmm. Learn the inside and out. Learn production. Learn learn how to hold a camera. Learn how to, you know, push a button, something. Yeah. Uh, but Simone used to come in the studio with me to do her voice work, mm. because they were like, hey, go in there with Christy, because they knew I was going to be there till 10 o'clock at night anyway. And she was something different. She really was one of the few people that taught me radio from a different perspective as a woman on the grind. Mm-hmm. She was definitely on the grind. She was because see, she had bounced from different markets, yeah. which is something I, I knew some people used to do. Now, people in Memphis get in one chair and they not moving. Yeah. But the radio game really is to work. Remember the man told me in Detroit, work your way up. Yeah. And um, she was about working her way up. Yes, she was. She Let me was tell a- you this. One thing about Simone Party, um, when she came to, Honey. Was it still Clear Channel then? Like, yeah, it was still heart. Clear Channel. Okay. I didn't know really where we stood um, trying to figure out the energy between me and her. But I will protective. tell you this. Yes, she was. I will yeah. tell you this. She gave me so many gigs. So Honey. Many of her gigs. Yes. On the she weekend. She was gracious. She helped she, me out. Yeah. So she shout was out great. to Simone Party. Simone Party. And I have tried to find her. I think I tried to find her in the early years of social media. And I think the last time, I, I think she had made it to Milwaukee. I think so. Because she Rick Party was her brother. And that was right. when I started learning that, you know, you create a persona. And you live with that. And she did some groundbreaking things that I always remember. Like if I had been more aggressive in radio, Mm -hmm. I really could have brand. And I used to do fun things. Like I would throw rooftop parties. You know, I would do game nights, you know, things that I just like. I remember doing a recital one time at the National Civil Rights Museum for Black Music Month. But she used she was somebody who was creating a brand. Yes. And I do regret not being more aggressive that way in my radio career. Wow. Yeah. So you had a few regrets. Yeah. Not a lot. My other regret was that I never pushed for my money. Okay. I've had to have those difficult conversations, and they couldn't believe I was having them with them. And I'm like, yes, this is what we're talking about. But see, you were corporate. And I'm going to go this way, if not. Right. And see, that's the thing. I really, and I remember when I did leave, and I used to, when I left in 2009, 2008, I remember hearing chatter and Kylan, we never were like was buddy buddies, but Kylan used to always just have a coolness with me. And I heard, I heard the grapevine that he said, they just should have gave her the money. Cause she was really good. Mm. And I, and I remember Stan Bell being life affirming to me. Now, okay. Remember how we, we say we love the boards. Mm-hmm. I will never forget one time. Like I said, I was already on air before Stan would get there. And he walked in that studio because if y'all remember Thousand Oaks, at one point, all the stations were side by side. Yeah. And Stan walked in my studio because V101 was right beside Hallelujah FM. And sometimes I almost felt like he had rocked in the wrong studio 
<laughs> like maybe he was busy and just opened the wrong door. But he came all the way in and he said, I was listening. First of all, the first compliment was I was listening to you on my way in. I was like, oh. <laughs> OK, I'm having a fan moment like Stan Bell listens to me. The bell ringer listens to Chrissy Taylor. Oh. That was the first thing. And then the second was one of the greatest compliments anybody has ever given me. He said, you run a tight board. Baby. Hey, when you get that tight board down, Pat, Baby, you know, that matters. That At that moment, he saw me as a peer. I rose to the occasion. Yeah. I realized he saw me more than just a pretty voice. He was like, I was like, thank you. Those type of compliments Honey. really mean a lot coming yeah. from, you know, people that have been in the game a, a long, long time. time. And, you Honey. know, like like in this market, they've, <laughs> they've been in it a long, a long time. time. <laughs> now, Christy, let's fast okay. forward to now 2023 tell us about all of the projects you have you've mentioned your consulting business talk to us about the christy taylor show what you got going on at bumping 96.3 fm (sighs) you got a lot going on that you haven't Uh. exposed just yet okay well well christy taylor consultant is my primary focus i mean and i have to say that because i have had to since 2019 teach myself to be more than just a, a personality yeah you know, because I did it so long and I've had to, what I say, correct my own PR issue, introducing myself as I am a businesswoman. Like I need to know that I run a communication and PR agency that focuses on media training and podcast development. I also still do script consulting for radio, TV and film. And from that pandemic hit right when I'm starting a business, it forces me because I had no intention of doing anything else as a talent. But during the pandemic and seeing the upheaval of that year, I really felt in my spirit. I know I heard you know, God say to me, I, and God speaks to me too, ladies and gentlemen. Um, God speaks to all of us. And he said, he said, add your voice to the chorus, meaning that lights need to be, light needs to shine in darkness to chase darkness away. So I started wanting to interview people so that there would be other things we could talk about other than just the pain. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason I started the Christy Taylor Show and really had no intention of keeping it around once the pandemic lifted. But by the time I had put so many fillers out and most of the people I interview are through publicists around the country and they have this thing like, Hey, Chrissy, can you take another guest? So my stream yard is on point, ladies and gentlemen, stream yard. Okay. Now, Ina, we're going to have to get her to get a look <laughs> because there's some people I want her to interview because they need to know Ina Esco outside of this market. Of course, she's already hands down. Chrissy is talking about, you know, really living that Internet Come lifestyle. On come on now. Which, you know, I like to come in the studio, hang out with Fabian. You know, First we're going to do all, the production. Shout out to Fabian. Shout out to Fabian Matthews. Spotlight production, honey. Yes. This is a TV Any show right award here. award winning Fabian oh, Matthews. Come on now. Okay, okay I know. I know. We're breaking the fourth wall. We're breaking the fourth wall. We're breaking wall. it. Um, But Christy, so, and I don't know why it's so hard for me to do the live, go live. You know, uh, the internet thing and that's what's going on I, but the thing is is that what you're doing is a multi-platform show because right. this lives upload this to stream yes you can upload but well, you actually have your you have YouTube. your podcast yeah. you have your youtube channel i mean so you're already online now how you produce it ladies and gentlemen is the thing and i yeah. i want to now mature to the place where I start doing in person and I'm actually utilizing the amazing talent that we have in Memphis. Um, I do have some other ambitions, radio, television, and film where I'm doing content on a high level. Um, But I will say that the Christy Taylor show, even though it's virtual, I did through Tina Tilton, who's also an old school radio television personality here, um, because of her long term relationship from Cablevision to now Xfinity, um, we are able to place it through different um, stations throughout the Comcast Southeast. But I also we have our podcast, like you talked talked about earlier. A lot of this stuff we're doing myself, her, the podcast center, and Chris Taylor Consultant. We got a lot of collaboration is really to push that we are here to help the next generation. Yes. Honestly, that's really what it is. It's like the reason I'm even doing this stuff mm-hmm. is proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is the proof that I can create, help you create what you need. I, I teach classes the first and second Saturdays um, at her podcast center to help new and novice radio personalities or podcasters be on Bumpin' 96.3 FM based on her long-term relationship with Flynn Broadcasting when she used to do Q107 and Hot 107. Um, So I just think I'm in a position now at this stage of my life where I want to help the next generation of broadcasters or podcasters or content creators 
manifest their dreams. I love it. I love it. That's really what I'm doing. They need help. Uh, And a lot of times you'll notice it's a matter of they're in their heads. Yes. And and just don't get started with the execution. Now, Ina speaks to that because even when she told me, and I was still on 103.5 at the time, and you said, you need to get on this podcast game. And I was like, girl, why would I do that? I had played with (laughs) podcasting, honestly, even before 990 The Light. I mean, before I even got into radio, as a career because back in the day when the internet first happened and you could record something, I had a little website called conversations with Christy uh, back in those blog talk radio days, uh, SoundCloud days. I mean, if y'all go to this stuff, you might still find find some (laughs) of it, but I didn't feel like I had a commitment to it the way I'm doing it now. And honestly, my commitment to it is inspired by you. And I'll be like, no, no, Oh, I love you, Ina, Christy Taylor. Ina is the, she really, and then the very fact when you started the pod box mm-hmm. and creating a community of podcasters, because there is a loneliness to still create content when you're not part of a radio That's family true. or a TV family. Yeah. So even what you're doing is an extension of yourself of creating community. So I appreciate you because I don't have to feel like I'm out here just, you know, winging it by myself. So thank you, sis. You're welcome. And I appreciate you for even participating and sharing your experience and knowledge with the crew because they love you, Christy. Oh, y'all love me. There's so many people that look up to you, lady. Like seriously, in this media game, look, I mean, you've told your story today. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I know a lot of people learned a lot of things about you. Any uh, outgoing advice for someone that is interested in getting on the radio in 2023 I'm not talking about podcasts I'm talking about on the mic on the radio because things are different now things are different I will say that the relationship that Tina Tilton and I have which is a combination of the podcast and, and Christy Taylor Consulting my goal is to really teach people how to maximize media period so okay. how to get on the radio is to be smart and to be innovative Um, In the classes, I teach how to think outside the box, even if you end up with a multi-platform show. But radio still, you have to remember, has the restrictions because it is FCC regulated. Being able to think smart and like, how can I translate what I'm doing online to traditional radio? It really comes with thinking outside the box and being unique. And I tell those who come to the classes you know, Memphis is hot right now. We real hot. Very. You know, all, all eyes, eyes on us. All on eyes on us. us. So even the fact that oftentimes, you know, we don't lean into our Memphis history, this is the time to do it. This yes. is the time to be unapologetically Memphis. Okay. Unapologetically Memphis. That's what I love about your show is that you focus on Memphians. And those who have that, even if you have an international reach, make sure you let people know you're from Memphis. So find out what stations are open to having unique voices, anticipate the fact you're going to probably have to do it on your own dime. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we still look for radio stations to hire us. No, come to them with content that's already prepared and say, Hey, can I buy time? Mm -hmm. You know, and the relationship, like I said, that we currently have with Flynn broadcasting is one of those ways. But even if you want to go on another, a country station or a sports station, Mm -hmm. come to them with your stuff already made. Yeah. But remember it is still regulated. It is FCC regulated. The Federal Communications, Communications Commission. Commission. It is, you know. Remember so we used to have to sign off yeah, every quarter. I, I tell them. I said, we used to have to have the little cars. Like, we had to say yeah. that we are operating, you yeah. know, radio stations. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm For super real. excited. So, if yeah. I can say this, um, you know, I, I want to celebrate you in this moment because you are blazing a trail. You are helping people find a way to have a voice and you're helping us elevate our art and our craft when it comes to media of all kinds. So I, I want to take Thank this you, moment <laughs> to really say that. Thank and you. I see you and I'm grateful that you did not succumb to the pressure. Yes. Yes, I'm grateful <laughs> as well. Yeah. But hey, sometimes you have to reinvent yourself. That's the, and, that's and, the beauty and of help it. other people, right? Yes, and that's that's what yeah. I want to. That's because what I'm you mentioned you want to help the next uh, yeah. class of media uh, focused yeah. people, and you know, there's not a lot of energy in that. I, I feel like and like I'm with yeah. that energy wave, and that's the reason I'm celebrating you because yes. I want you to know I Thank see you. that I see that, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Christy, and I'm ah. always celebrating you. I want you to let the verbally effective audience know how they can continue 
to follow your journey? All right. First and foremost, I am a website queen, baby. Go to <laughs> my website, Christy Taylor Consulting. That's my first and last name, Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, TaylorConsulting.com. If you go there, um, you're going to pretty much find everything you need to know about what I'm doing and what I'm expanding into, really looking to scale my business and really make it a something that Memphis would be proud of and that will impact the world. And of course, if you want to follow me on my social, yes, Christy, I got a couple. The Christy Taylor Show, <laughs> Christy Taylor Consulting, and Christy Taylor Online. Okay, so go to my website, ChristyTaylorConsulting.com, and there you will find all things Christy. Thank you so much, Christy Yay. Taylor. For oh, yeah. Wait, wait, today. wait. Am I supposed to be pushing my YouTube channel like Push you be doing? YouTube. You need to get some Honey, I need girl. some subscribers. She got 500. I'm still trying to get to 300. <laughs> okay. I don't have YouTube for a decade. And uh, yeah, so YouTube, Christy Taylor. I have had it so long, I was able to just use my name when they gave us opportunity. So go to ChristyTaylor.com forward slash. Wait a minute. What is it? No, go to ChristyTaylorConsultant.com. But YouTube is YouTube.com forward slash Christy Taylor. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that su- oh, Christy yeah, that's Taylor right. That's right. That's and right. Follow her visuals <laughs> and everything that Christy has going on. Yay. Thank you so much. You are Thank indeed you. verbally effective, Christy. Oh, wow. And like I said, I've been looking up to you for the longest, and I appreciate everything you are providing oh, for wow. this media game. Thank you, lady. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in yet again to the Verbally Effective Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms and that Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. I'll see you guys next week.